Hey friend, welcome to the Self-Care Isn't Selfish podcast. I'm your host, Emily Nichols. I'm a self-care coach who is on a mission to help you get your body and mind fit through simple and sustainable self-care habits. And I get it. I'm a busy working boy mom who used to feel like a hot mess all the time until I found a solution, my own self-care routine. And friend, I want that for you too. Join us each week to hear attainable self-care tips for all areas of your life from my amazing guests or quickie episodes with me sharing my own experiences and professional wellness knowledge. After each episode, you'll leave with an action plan to start making self-care a priority in your life and get your body and mind fit. So grab a cup of coffee, glass of wine, or your favorite sparkling water, and let's do this. You're listening to episode 72 of the Self-Care Isn't Selfish podcast. Hey friend, I'm so glad you're back and I hope you had a really wonderful Thanksgiving. No matter what it looked like, I hope you had a feeling of gratitude, not only that day, but all day long. So gang, we are coming up to the end of the year. And that means January is right around the corner. A lot of people use January as a time to set new year resolutions, begin new habits, you know, all the things. It's just such a busy time of year where you're trying to just get your life right, right? And a lot of people do that by starting with the January Whole30. So I thought it would be very timely and very um, informative for you over the next month to bring on guests from the Whole30 world. Some of my friends friends and our Whole30 community. And I'm bringing on these particular people because they have such a real and knowledgeable outlook on Whole30 that I don't think we've covered enough here on the show and I don't think we've covered enough in the Whole30 community. So we're going to be digging in deeper to more so how this is a lifestyle. Life after Whole30 and how you can use this as a tool in your wellness journey. Because as we've mentioned plenty of times on the show, your wellness journey is, there's no finish line. You know, you don't do a whole 30 and 30 days later, you're like, I feel great. I'm cured forever from my addictions or my mindset around food. Uh Uh-uh. 30 days isn't long enough to reverse those habits and mindset you've had your whole life. So we're going to really flip the script and thinking about Whole30 and really giving you some food for thought, (laughs) like the pun, um, moving forward about what Whole30 is, if it should be an adventure for you to take on, and what it can do for you, mind, soul, and body. If you go back a few episodes, I've shared my journey through Whole30, my own Whole30 story that really set off my whole self-care routine back in 2015 with my husband and myself. And it's always going to be something that's part of my life. That's why I became a Whole30 certified coach, because I know the benefits it it can do for your life. And like we mentioned in this episode today... You know, there's the old saying from Melissa Urban, the co-founder of Whole30, um, and it starts with food and the Whole30 book, the original ones, like the OG ones. She stated saying, you know, this is not hard. You know, birthing a baby is hard. Cancer is hard. But now we're changing the way we think about Whole30 and saying, 
Yeah, it's hard. It's really freaking hard. (laughs) So that's why you sometimes need a coach to help you along the way. So make sure to be listening throughout the next month. You can go to the show notes as well to subscribe to my newsletter because I will be putting out an announcement of the Whole30 services I will be offering in January. I'm switching things up from what I've normally done, and I would love to be able to help you along your Whole30 journey if it is the right thing for you. So let me introduce you today to my guest. I'm so excited for you guys to hear this conversation. Today, I have Autumn Michaelis on the show. I've always looked up to Autumn, and I was so excited when she agreed to be on the show. So Autumn is a homegrown recipe creative, and she is also a mom to five boys. Yes, ladies and gentlemen. I don't know if there's any gentleman that listens, maybe my husband, but five boys. She's a Whole30 certified coach. She is a Whole30 coaching manager and a recovering sugar addict. So Autumn loves making easy, affordable Whole30 and Paleo recipes, which she shares over on her blog. It's just wholefoodforseven.com. She lives just north of Sacramento, California, and when not in the kitchen, you can often find her hiking, camping, and adventuring. I'm so inspired by Autumn's story. Definitely go give her a follow. There's a link in the show notes because she creates some amazing, beautiful, affordable and delicious recipes that I know you will love regardless if you're doing a Whole30 or not or living a paleo lifestyle. But we're going to dig in deeper today about Autumn's sugar addiction and how Whole30 and her journey into food freedom has helped her overcome that. I resonated with this so much and I know so many of you listening will as well. So let's get into today's show. All right, gang, welcome back to the Self-Care Isn't Selfish podcast. I'm really excited about this conversation. My friend Autumn is here. Autumn, thanks so much for coming on the show. Oh, such a pleasure. Awesome. Well, Autumn, you know I start off every show asking my guests the same question. I'm going to ask it to you. Autumn, what does self-care mean to you? You know, it'd be interesting, Emily, if you've ever heard answers that really surprise you, but Mine is um, self-care to me is intentionally doing things that nourish me and fill me up. Um, I definitely have found that intentionally taking time for myself in the end gives me more to give back to my family. Mm, Like you said, nourishing yourself. Mm, Yeah. And it's interesting how that looks so different for everybody. And obviously I don't think we're going to deep dive too much on that today, but I loved how like even Melissa Urban of Whole30 had said that um, depending on your like your love language, that might look different. Like for some people, that might be massages, but if they don't like physical touch, that's not mm-hmm. nourishing for them. Mm-hmm. For me, um, I'm acts of service is my love language. So literally cleaning a spot in the house is self care to me. Like it sounds strange. I don't love cleaning. I hate it. Like yeah. most moms, but that for me is an act of self care. So I really um, encourage people to realize it can be very individual. And if there's things that don't resonate with you, that's okay. It doesn't mean self care doesn't work for you. It just means you need to find the right, you know, fit. Yes, absolutely. Oh yeah. Like you said, we could talk about that forever in itself. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Autumn, can you share a little bit more about who you are? Kind of what's your story, like where you've been and how you got to where you are today? Sure. I am a mom of five boys. I always lead out with that because any mom that's, you know, so foundational in everything I do. Um, I work for Whole30. I am the coaching manager. I also am a Whole30 certified coach as with Emily. That's where we know each other from. Um, And I found Whole30 about five years ago when my husband was doing a naturalistic 
investigation into some problems he was having. And he brought home a paper on Whole30. And I looked at it and promptly said, this is too restrictive. I am never doing this. Which be careful what you say, because, you know, you then get to eat a little bit of crow there. But um, a month later, I was really struggling with my relationship with food. And we'll dive into that um, more. And I finally said, okay, why not? Like nothing else is working. This whole moderation scene isn't working. Like, sure, we'll try the restrictive thing. And um, I failed my first round, um, literally nosedive into a plan of pan of brownies on day 10 because I wasn't prepared. I didn't have any support. I didn't tell anyone I was doing it because I was afraid I was going to fail, which again, just is that men for failure. Yep. And then, um, but it kind of sparked something in me. And so like a month or two later, I decided to give it another go. This time I did it right, got more support, actually read the resources. Whole30 website has amazing amounts of free resources to anyone who wants to do it. You don't have to buy a stinking thing. They do also have books if you prefer to digest it that way. Um, and so I was more prepared and then I did it. And for me, that was a huge turning point because that was literally the first time I had not eaten sugar in a consecutive number of days past, you know, like a week, you know, because I'd always made these promises and these ideas and these approaches of ways I was going to help my relationship with food. And they never really panned out. Like I said, the whole moderate, oh, I'll only eat one dessert a week or so many methods and approaches and diets um, that something finally working was very empowering and very game changing. Um, and so Whole30 has really been foundational for me in a lot of ways that we can talk more about um, from healing my relationship with food, especially my relationship with um, sugar. Um, so much so actually that my background's in fitness. Like I, and I know you appreciate that background, Emily. I'm a certified exercise physiologist. That's my degree in college. That's, I have way too many certifications in the fitness world. Um, I managed a gym before this and I kept seeing a lot of people try to work out their way to health. And a lot of them were just getting overuse injuries and sure they were strong as heck. They were, you know, had great heart and lungs and all those things, but they weren't healthy. Yeah. And that just confused me because I thought it was like a one-stop shop that you work out and you're going to be so healthy and fit. Um, and then I started to see things in myself as well that weren't like, I wasn't sleeping great and I had terrible acne and obviously my relationship with food was not healthy. And so it, it kind of opened my eyes that there, that health and wellness is not a one box check mark, that it's a very multifaceted thing. And once I started addressing nutrition at our gym, it was crazy to me, the, the number of things that could help. And so I wanted more people to know about that and more people to think about that because that was really novel to me besides dieting to try to lose weight. The yeah. idea that food could actually change my health in so many ways was just mind blowing to me. Yeah. That's such a good point because I think when we think of food and like changing the way you eat, you think of a diet and being restrictive mm -hmm. in order to lose weight, not necessarily I'm eating to be healthier and address ABC issues in my body that maybe are caused by food, but you don't know that. For sure. Yeah. And I always felt like after I did my first couple successful whole thirties, I felt like a bad infomercial when I would tell people like <laughs> it literally changed those things. Like I was a chronic napper. Suddenly I didn't need a two o'clock nap every day. My acne that I was on heavy medication for suddenly was gone. Like it just sounded like I was making it up and I kept hearing it again and again and again from the people that would do it. And I'm like, there's something to this. Like there is a lot that food can change. Yeah. I always say when you keep hearing the same message over and, <laughs> right. over and over again, you should listen. And I, I, it's so funny. I know we've talked about this before, but 
my first whole 30 was five years ago too. And my husband wanted to do it. And I was like, like we printed off um, from the whole 30 website. We probably still have it in like the kitchen drawer somewhere with other random like recipes, but we printed off like how you would feel day by day, like day one, Mm -hmm. day two. And we printed it off and we were so, we just kept laughing about how accurate it was. But when he approached me about it, I was like, we're not doing that. I'm not doing that. That's so (laughs) hardcore. Like seriously, no, no, but doing it together. Like we were really successful and doing, we didn't do the reintroduction, right? I've talked about that before on the podcast. You should do the reintroduction the right way. Um, But yeah, it gave me so much more clarity. And I kind of felt the same way about like health and fitness. Like you work out and you, you should be like healthy, but you're, there's so many more key components to that as well, for sure. Yeah. Which is why this podcast is so great because it just addresses so many of these other facets that taking care of your health is, is so much more. Well, thanks Autumn. I appreciate that. Well, let's talk about, um, sugar addiction a little bit more because it's something I really relate to and something I learned about myself during my first round of my whole 30. I realized I turned to sweets when I was stressed or anxious or mad or just because because it was a habit more so than anything. But I'd love to hear kind of about your journey and what you realized about your own sugar addiction through whole 30 and how you helped um, overcome that as well. For sure. Yeah. And it's something I'm grateful we're talking about because it, it isn't talked about enough, in my opinion. Um, I know a couple of years ago, I felt so alone and so like broken in, in my relationship with food, specifically my sugar addiction. And um, just nobody talked about it. And um, since then, when, since I've started talking about it and making it part of what I discuss on my feed, I've had so many people reach out and say, I had no idea. I thought I was alone. And um, and realize when I say sugar addiction, I want to be really respectful of other substance addictions out there. I'm not using it lightly and I'm not trying to be disrespectful. And also I think it's really important to look in the eyes what's actually going on. Um, and for me, it did feel and present like an addiction. And I even like Google, you know, Webster Googled it. Um, an addiction is having an intense focus on something to the point that it disrupts your life. So if you feel like I called it a monkey on my back, mm-hmm. you feel like there is something that like you are out of control with your relationship with sugar and that, you know, you have this need for it, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, or um, you have to have that treat at the end of the day or whatever it may look like for you um, where it's affecting like your patterns and your, ha- your habits, then it is in some level an addiction. And I wanted to share a quote from Melissa Urban, co-founder of Whole30, because um, I did a takeover on this and I asked her because she is a recovering drug addict, like full on heroin, that kind of drug yeah. addict. And I said, is this okay? Is this something you can support me talking about sugar addiction? And she gave me a quote that she's allowed me to use since then. And she said, while the DSM-5, which is kind of the addiction categorization, may not yet classify sugar as a substance use disorder, Many medical experts across the globe believe the evidence is mounting. Too much added sugar could lead to true addiction. For those of us who feel truly out of control with sugar and processed carbs, a call to our experience to call our experience an addiction feels all too accurate. Mm. So really, um, and that's to me the first step is you have to look it in the eyes. Like I almost made it like this cute thing. And I think our society and the memes and the ads support that unfortunately like oh I just have a sweet tooth 
Like, Mm -hmm. oh, I just, you know, just these little cravings, like it's this cute little puppy. No, like we call it in Whole30 a sugar dragon for a reason. And anyone who's felt that roaring need, like that is not healthy and that is not a light thing. Um, And realize that there's a whole range of what that can look like. And I want um, people to kind of review and internalize and be honest with themselves where they're at. Like I said, it could be maybe you feel like breakfast, lunch, and dinner, like at first it was every meal ended with a treat and breakfast that might be a donut yeah. or a muffin or an eclair or whatever. Um, or maybe like every night after, like I said, after dinner, you have to have that treat. Just like some people have to have their wine, whatever. Um, two, I got to the point where um, I was lying to my husband telling him I needed to go to the gas station or I needed to go to a friend's house, to pick something up. I did. I actually went around the corner of the gas station where they sell, you know, all kinds of crappy food. And I bought, ding-dongs and ice cream and milk and I ate them in my car and I threw them away hid the evidence and then drove back home swear I'd never do it again I was mortified of what happened that's classic binge behavior um and then what happened again so um but I want people to realize you don't have to get to that point for it to be a problem like that is not the point like okay when you're binging and hiding it that's officially when you have a problem that needs to be addressed no you have a problem that needs to be addressed if you're feeling that sugar dragging more. And if you feel like you can't have a healthy relationship with food, I think as moms, we see it in things like maybe you make a pan of brownies for your kids or as a family. And then the kids are like, Hey mom, where'd the rest of the brownies go? Because they each had one and you literally ate the rest of the pan or you're making cookies. Or um, if you really honestly feel like you cannot stop at one, that's to some level a sugar addiction. That is something you don't, that's not normal. Like, and it's, it was funny to me. I remember telling a gym member that I didn't know if I was ever going to be able to have sugar in the house and not feel that way. Like I thought maybe that's just how I was made. Like that's just my biochemistry because for her, it was like, it blew my mind that she was like, Oh, well, yeah, I can have a cookie and put the rest in the freezer and I'm good. And I was like, what? That's even possible. Like, <laughs> was this possible? How? So, um, yeah, it was, it was definitely a level of discovery. But if any of this is resonating with you, realize it can be different and it can improve. Um, there's a whole blog on my website. You can, it's my, you know, my sugar addiction and five steps that were crucial in recovery. You can look up, but um, it did start with a whole 30 and that was just my path. But again, that was so empowering. Those black and white boundaries also save a lot of support and education um, realizing I could step away from sugar for 30 days was huge. And then a lot of that work came after. And that's unfortunately a challenge we see in the Whole30 community is they think it's a check mark. Like, ta-da, I graduated. I did the Whole30. I'm done. Actually, it's ta-da, you did the Whole30. You are just starting on this You're new direction. And, you know, yep. there's more work to be done. And so, and that's where it's really going to change. Um there's a book that I love that's um, very well known in the Whole30 world, Food Freedom Forever, literally the book on it by Melissa Urban, co-creator of Whole30. Um, and so it, it shares a lot about, okay, well, what does that work look like? Like, what can I do to heal my relationship with food outside of a Whole30? Or maybe you're not ready for a Whole30, but you just want to work on your relationship with food. That can play, a, it has very tangible steps and tips that can really help and, and that I applied. And if you actually dive into it and look at it as more of a workbook and more like these are your assignments instead of just, oh, that's nice. Um, it can really be changing. Um, and like Emily said, 
if you choose to do a whole 30 and, and use that as your starting port, point or you've done one, um, doing so, I don't want to say correctly because there's no wrong way to do a whole 30 yeah. if you keep the rules. And if you eat whole 30 compatible foods for 30 days, you, you won, you did it. You're amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Realize if after a whole 30, you nosedive back into old habits and then feel unfortunately guilt, shame, remorse around it. Cause you now know what you, how much better you have done. Yeah. Um, then that, that might be time to evaluate, well, how did you do your whole 30? Like I used to eat Lara bars and RX bars and like oh. sugar is sugar is sugar is what the whole 30 literature teaches that if you're having a craving, and you feed that craving with sugar, any, even natural sugar, even, you know, apples and nut butter or Lara bars or RX bars or whatever dates, then the cycle continues. So it's breaking that addiction cycle. And that's where what you talk about here comes into play because it's, it's not actually about the craving. It's not, and I had never heard that concept that a craving was just a manifestation of some deeper need. It's that self-care. Like once you start nourishing yourself in ways that are actually nourishing you're going to stop slapping that sugar bandaid on it and hoping the broken arm will go away. So actually nourishing yourself with whatever form of self-care works for you um, was huge in helping me um, not try to fill my empty cup because I was a mom of five boys working full time, all these things, just stressed and tired, um, not trying to get by by having sugar. Yeah. I relate to that so much, Autumn, especially the brownie analogy, because I can't tell you how many times the kids were like, where'd all the brownies go? I'm like, I don't know. Dad ate them all. <laughs> it was me. It will call you on it. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's so easy. You go by and like use a fork and just take a little bite here, take a little bite there, and then it's all gone. But you're so right because, you know, after I did my first Whole30, I was like, man, I can do anything. And I just went back to my old habits so quickly because 30 days really isn't that long enough of a time to reverse something that you felt your whole life if, when it comes to sometimes emotional attachments to food or sugar addiction for that matter. And I haven't done a whole 30 in two years now, but after I did a couple of them, I realized I was using whole 30 and abusing it in a way I was using it because I was like, I know this helps me feel good and it helps me reverse the way I was feeling, but I was using it to be like, Oh, I'm going to lose weight again from doing it. And I'm just doing this and then going back to my old habits after 30 days. And that's not the point of it. And I even failed a couple of whole thirties in the midst of all that, because I was like, Oh, forget it. I've done a whole 30 before I can go ahead and eat this Mm -hmm. or eat that or, you know, eating all the Lara bars too. Cause I'm like, Oh, it's just dates and you know, cashews it's all right and you know still getting that mental trigger of getting that sugar um as a reward or punishment sometimes in that matter um yeah I relate so much to that and like I said I haven't done a whole whole 30 personally in two years just because over the past five years and doing multiple whole 30s and learning from my experiences and going into my own version of food freedom I now have control over that and I take pride in that I'm in control of my choices now and not letting those foods control me more so than anything now. For sure. Yeah. And I agree that my last, you asked um, before the show when my last whole 30 was and say mine was about two years ago. Um, And I like to tell people I've done 10 whole 30s. Mm -hmm. That is not a badge of honor. Like that is me not getting it. That is nowhere in any, anywhere the goal to do, to bring up like, 
a number of completed or failed or whatever whole 30s the goal is like you were saying you just kind of described your food freedom for you just being empowered in your relationship with food that's the goal so use whole 30 as um the reset and the, the scientific experiment of one that was huge for me for example like a, I, I talked about how empowering it was to, to realize I could go without sugar. And then B, I could actually pin down the cost of sugar for me. Like it, it's hard to not choose something if you don't know what specifically what, what the cost of it is. Um, I like to compare it to shopping. I'm a girl who loves to shop. Same. If I'm going to pick out a pair of shoes, they might be absolutely adorable if they are $500, there is no way those shoes are coming home with me ever. Like that's just not in my budget. Right. Um, so same with food. Like if you know how food works for you and kind of the quote unquote cost for food, then it's easier to decide, is it worth it? And that's a huge food freedom question in the whole 30 community of, is it worth it? Do I really want it? Well, you can't answer that if you don't do the reintroduction that we were talking about. Um, and through my reintroduction, I realized sugar made me behind my eyes tired. And it also was highly correlated with my acne. Um, so being that chronic napper where I felt like every day I had to have a nap, I cut back on my sugar and suddenly my blood sugar is a whole lot more stable. So there's not these like giant swings as, yeah, as well as I was a nicer mom. Like mm-hmm. I would always be kind of yelling at my kids around five o'clock every day. And it's because my blood sugar was tanked because, mm-hmm. you know, it was just before dinner. Um, and I didn't realize, like, it just was so empowering to me to realize, um, my moods can be better. My acne can be better. My sleep can be better. My energy can be better with less sugar. Hey gang, cutting in on this conversation real quick to tell you about my favorite headbands from Maven Thread. You know, as a fitness instructor, I've tried, I think, every headband out there. Maven Thread is my favorite. It doesn't squeeze my head real tight. It doesn't slip while I'm teaching or taking a workout class myself. And best of all, they are so cute. So many different pretty patterns and colors. And I think I have one for every season of the year as well. So head over to maventhread.com and you can use the code EmilyNichols22 to save 15% off your first order. And hey, while you're there, check out their other workout apparel. They have so much more than just headbands. So head over to maventhread.com and use the code EmilyNichols22 to save 15% off of your order. And hey, tag me on Instagram at EmilyNichols22 so I can see you looking super cute during your workouts in your Maven Thread headband. And so because I knew the cost of it, sure, I just still totally, there are times when sugar is worth it. My birthday's in a couple of weeks. There's going to be cake involved. However, it's an active choice of something that's worth it versus just this constant stream of, like you were saying with the brownies, oh, it's right there. I'll just have a little here. It's just, you know, not being very proactive in my relationship with food. Um, So, yeah, yeah, I think reintroduction is a huge, huge component of, of food freedom. For sure. If you don't have that data, then it's really hard to make those worth it choices if you don't know Mm -hmm. what the repercussions are going to be, whether that be mental or physical um, effects of some food on your body, for sure. Yeah. And I will say just one quick note to moms out there. Mm -hmm. We as a family decided to go paleo, which is gluten-free, dairy-free, refined, sugar-free, just as an experiment. We did it for 30 days, three years ago because I was curious. I'm like, okay, I've done this for me. And I'm feeding my kids like goldfish, granola bars, chips. Right. Like, oh yeah. I just felt guilty as a mom. And so mm-hmm. finally I was at a point where I'm like, okay, let's just see what happens. And so I tried it for 30 days with my family and um, their energy, their sleep, same things I had seen. And the biggest factor was my um, then seven-year-old 
um, who probably some people would say was borderline ADHD and is really reactive, lots of screaming, lots of volume intensity, um, was suddenly very even keel. And you couldn't have, like, it gives me chills to think about it every time because I, I wouldn't have, there wasn't anything I could have paid enough money for, for him to have that and for us to have it. Cause it affected our home so much to have this highly spirited, challenging kiddo. And when we t- cut back on those things and, and sugar has been one of the biggest correlations for us because we see it because we don't control what my kids eat outside of the home. That's their choice. So at school, have a cupcake and he'll come home and we see some of those familiar past uh, behaviors and like, Oh, um, so yeah, like, yeah. (laughs) yeah, yeah. So sugar is once you make those connections, it's very empowering. Yeah. And it's interesting. Um, kids watching you do a whole 30 and embarking on your own wellness journey because they see everything. I mean, my kids know like, oh, that's not whole 30 approved mom or oh, can <laughs> I have some of that new whole 30 ranch dressing or, you know, and they get it, but it's the same concept and kids get it eventually because they're not as accustomed to a certain way of eating or feeling as long as adults are. Um, you know, cause they're like, I've shared this with you before. My son um, is really sensitive to red dye and sugar. He's a very high spirited child as <laughs> son is. He's, he just turned nine um, and he's borderline ADHD, but we really focus on him not having red dye. He and my oldest son made a big box of red jello one time and my youngest ate it all. And I, it was like, he was on, I don't know what kind of drugs, but he was just extremely hyper. He couldn't come down from it. It was just like, Tyler, mm. what's wrong? And he was just like, I don't know. I just can't stop. Like he was just like jittery almost. And then the next day he was hung over. He was like, literally like lethargic, felt like crap. Didn't mm. want to go outside and play. And now he's like, I don't do red dye. Cause I know how bad it makes me feel. And it was just from that one little time that he knew that's the way it made him feel. But we see that with other foods too. And as adults, we don't know what all these different foods are doing to us and doing a whole 30 and doing a reintroduction the right way is just the perfect way to figure out those issues going on with you as well. Yeah. And I really appreciate it. I highly recommend if anyone listening to this hasn't reading, it starts with food. It's one of the earliest whole 30 books. Um, And I've read the throes of my sugar addiction, I read over 50 books, really trying to understand what the heck was going on. And it's still to this day, one of my favorites, because it explains the science enough without being like way over your head. But it talks about how like, the foods in my society are literally designed to make you want more. Like, I don't know if you remember like an old, I think it was like Ruffles commercial, like, bet you can't stop at one. Like, literally, that's their job. And not in a bad way. They're not evil. They're just that their job is to sell food. And so they Mm -hmm. make it It's called a bliss point as desirable as possible that you want to keep eating it. Um, And they do so usually through like sugar, fat, those kind of combinations. Um, And really the foods are designed that way. And when you can pull that back and experiment like a whole 30 or some kind of more natural reset, it allows you to like actually like your vegetables and actually, and not feel those cravings as much. So there are things you can do with the inputs um, that can help as well. And I love that you, um, the way you framed it to your kid and helped him make those connections mm-hmm. of the red food dye. Um, and it's important, I think, both with ourselves and with our kids, we realize we are not sitting here saying red food dye is bad, gluten is bad, dairy is bad, sugar is bad. The thing in and of itself isn't evil. There's no guilt, shame, remorse for eating it. 
it's just a choice with a consequence. And the more I was able to teach myself and my children that, um, the more empowering it was and, and added to that food freedom. I like to compare it to, I taught my kids this with a family lesson of if you put, you take a stick and on one end you write choice and the other end you write consequence. I told my kids, okay, try to pick up the stick on the choice side without lifting the consequence. Like just, I just want you to hold that one side without breaking it in half. And they couldn't, of course. And the point was the two are attached. You can't make a choice without accepting the consequence. They're always combined. And so realizing that within a food setting, because you've done a reintroduction, you know, the consequence that's coming, then it helps um, kind of simplify and remove some of that language of like good, bad, clean, dirty type foods. Yeah. I love that. Well, it's a choice and a consequence and there's so much power in knowing that for yourself and making those choices for yourself. It's, it's, and like you said, there's no such thing as good or bad foods. Like food has no morality. It's just yeah, food. It either agrees with you or it doesn't. Yeah. Right. And there's going to be times and it's worth it and times when it's not. Absolutely. Um, and you had asked about what food freedom looks like to me. And I think yeah. that's a big part of it is just that calm, like there is no tension between me and food anymore. Like um, there is no, like I said, no guilt, shame or remorse, but also no feeling like, like I'm back in the driver's seat and it's there to nourish me. And sure there's, it, it doesn't mean like I'm not in a place where necessarily I will never overeat again, or I'll never eat the whole pound of brownies again. Like it's, it's just not something that you can ever close the book on and say, I am done. I am healed. I have a great relationship with food. Um, but it gets easier the more effort you put into it. I like to compare it to driving. I grew up driving in Houston, Texas, six lane highways. It's nuts to try to figure out how to drive as a teenager, but eventually you figure it out. And now, you know, I drive down the street and I toss back, you know, a fruit leather to the kids and turn out the music. It, like you can multitask and it, you still have to drive. You still have to do the thing, but it's a lot more comfortable. And so the same with your relationship with sugar, your relationship with food. Um, it'll take some practice, some driver's ed, some hours in the, in the driver's seat, but eventually it'll get very comfortable. And even though you're still doing the thing, you're still doing the work. Um, and there might be times where I'm like, hmm, yeah, we're having a few too many sweets. You know, I think it's time to not bake so much this week or whatever it is that you feel like isn't working. Um, I call those my food freedom boundaries. Nobody set them for me. It's just trial and error of what is or isn't working. Then you kind of course correct. Um, but you can kind of find a sustainable rhythm. Yeah. Um, and that's one thing I love about food freedom forever is um, it talks about one of the parts of the food freedom cycle is acknowledging when you're starting to slip because yeah. it's going to happen. And I love that, that humanity behind the idea that we are not saying that the things we are doing fixed us, cured us, made it all, all done. Um, I say, I'm always going to say I'm a recovering sugar addict. And that's pretty common in the addiction world that it's not um, something you're ever graduated from. Um, but that it's that you're nor- you're human. And there's, especially we're coming to a time with holidays. I know this is going to come out right for mm-hmm. Christmas holidays where it can be very challenging to feel in a good place with your relationship with food. Um, but that doesn't mean you have to like just dive in the deep end and, yeah. and throw your hands <laughs> up in the air. There's a middle ground. There can be a middle ground yeah. for sure. Yeah. And, yeah. and that comes through, through doing that food freedom work. And so again, if you're really struggling, you're like Autumn, you keep referring to this food freedom work. What does that look like? Food Freedom Forever by Melissa Urban. Mm-hmm. 
please check it out. Please read it and really dive into it. The first part just talks about a whole 30. So if you're not interested in a whole 30 or you've already done one, just kind of cruise past it. Um, and then the last two thirds of the book kind of talk about those tangible in the moment strategies, big picture strategies, um, like actual tools you can pick up and, and do that work. Yeah. And I'll make sure to include a link to that in the show notes. Cause that's actually my favorite whole 30 book. It's my favorite, favorite whole 30 book. I've read it twice and I've probably listened to it probably about half a dozen times, just having it on in yeah. the background while working just cause it's so, um, it's so real. It's real. And it's real strategies too, which I love. Yeah. And anyone who struggles with their relationship with food or sugar, I literally was sitting on the couch saying, yes, this is me. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Like this is like, <laughs> I'm not alone. And you'll find, you'll connect a lot with, yep. with what she describes in there. And then she mm. goes into those strategies. So um, definitely check that one out. Yeah. So Autumn, as a mom to five boys, and I know your family is paleo, um, what would be your biggest piece of advice for someone wanting to embark on some type of uh, paleo lifestyle with their family or just cooking for a big family in that manner. I'm sure you've heard this a lot as a whole 30 coach as well. You'll have someone say, Oh, I want to do a whole 30, but my kid, my husband's not doing it. And my kids, I'm still making them like craft Mac and cheese. And I'm making like 10 meals for dinner. Like what would be <laughs> your biggest piece of advice for someone just kind of wanting to eat healthier, getting their family on board. And you know, you have five boys. So you you had, you have a lot of mouths to feed. <laughs> yeah. They, they are my walking stomachs. They eat me out of house and home oh on a God. regular basis. So I get it. It's a lot. And working full time, I, I used to not be a working mom. And so like adding those layers of, I only have so much time. Mm -hmm. um, my two things would probably be let good enough be good enough. And then also the, it, stepping into the fact that you control what goes on the table and into the house. Mm. Um, let good enough be good enough. Um, there is no elitist, like healthy eaters club. And this is a big tenant for me, as Emily knows. We, we live on a budget. Like I have five children. Like we live on a budget and I shop at Walmart and I make a lot of my stuff from scratch because I have, though I don't feel like I have a ton of time, it's more affordable. Yeah. So realize that it, that's, we don't have the money to buy grass-fed beef or all organic produce. And that's okay. Like you can still improve your health through doing what you can and you don't have to feel like you have to be able to do it all quote unquote right, right. before you can move forward. No. Or there's some whole 30 coaches who their kids have done a whole 30. One of my children has the rest have not, but we've played around with cutting back. Like I said, on the sugar, the dairy, the gluten, and kind of done those experiments. So you don't have to, there's no right way to do it, but you do need to move forward and try to get more of those fresh foods in your house. Um, and that's where, it was, and it's a big sigh before it because we as moms, I really wanted to pretend like it wasn't my job or role with what I brought in the home that my son was walking around with a giant bowl of goldfish all day, every day. I'm like, oh, they're whole grain. He's fine. Um, or that my kids ate snacked all day long and then came to dinner and they, ne they never like what I make. I have to, you know, give them a hot dog so they won't starve. Like all these things that I allowed were when I put on my, my grown up pants. Mm. I was allowing that. Yeah. I empowered that. Like pickiness is empowered. Most children don't actually come into this world picky. We empower it. And I empowered it to the nth degree, um, allowing snacks and allowing second meals and all these things. So kids are more flexible than you think. It sounds hor like a horrible undertaking to change your children's diet. I totally understand. Um, and you, you might be surprised. 
but you have to be consistent. If you like one week say we're going to do, I'm not making a second meal. This is what we're eating. Um, and then you bend to the wind and be like, oh, okay, well, you can go ahead and have those chicken nuggets in the freezer or that macaroni, you know, that's fine. Nah, you got to like stick to your guns and be consistent. Yeah. And I was shocked. Like I said, we did it for 30 days. I'm like, this is what we're doing. And I was stuck to my guns and that's what we did for 30 days. By the end of the 30 days, I was blown away at some of the things my kids were eating, like cauliflower oatmeal. What child likes cauliflower <sighs> oatmeal? I know most grownups don't like that. I was, and it was my pickiest kid, my, nice. my spirited kiddo. And so it's going to sound like a lot, but just pick something you want to work on, whether it's like, okay, we are no longer buying um, chips and soda or whatever it is um, and stick to your guns and realize there's so many more resources out there now. There's so many great recipes. There's so many great products um, and things that, that can work well for your family. Like we don't eat refined sugar, but we totally eat paleo gluten-free dairy-free desserts. Um, and that's had less reactions for us sure. and still been a good middle ground. So yeah, such good tips. Now the January whole 30 is upon us. It's coming very quickly. And I know that's when a lot of people decide to embark on their first whole 30. What piece of advice would you give to someone who is going to be starting the January whole 30? January is such a great time. It's just that fresh feeling. I know we're all hoping for bigger and better things in 2021. Prepare the heck out of it. Um, We've, there's been some shift in dialogue in the Whole30 world. Um, there's a lot of people saying, like literally one of the most famous quotes is Melissa saying, this is not hard. Um, we're actually shifting. Yeah. It is hard. It is and hard. And also, you are totally capable of doing hard things and preparation is going to make that so much more successful. What does that look like? Well, at minimum, go on the Whole30 website, check out those resources. I especially love the PDFs that Emily was talking about printing out. Um, you can work with a Whole30 coach like Emily, obviously. Um, you can read the books, um, get the crap out of your house, make sure you have a plan, like just get some things in place so that you won't, because again, at my first whole 30, I thought I could just take foods out, like I'll, I'll just not eat the grain, the legumes, whatever, and I'll be fine. No, because that's what the standard American diet is built around. So I got nothing to have eat. a plan in place, find somebody to do it with you or to be accountable to and Sometimes your spouse or your best friend is not the right person. You need somebody who's going to actually like kind of that tough love friend, whoever that is for you. That's the person you need. Who's actually gonna be like, no, honey, you're fine. And again, there's whole 30 coaches. If you want to pay someone to do that, it's literally their job. They do an excellent job, but yeah, that's a big piece of advice. You know, the first time we did our whole 30, um, I was not prepared. We went to like a big party and like drank too much beer. And the next day I was walking around Kroger with my phone up Googling like whole, <laughs> what is this whole 30? Like everything I picked up, I'm like, I don't know what that ingredient is. And I, it was probably like an hour and a half grocery trip. And I was eating like apples and cucumbers before I left. Cause that's all the, the whole 30 approved stuff or whole 30. Like, I know I can eat this. <laughs> like, well, I know I can eat an apple or a cucumber. <laughs> it was not good preparation. That's such a great tip. Autumn, you do such a great job of sharing affordable and accessible and beautiful, yummy food on your feed. Can you share where everyone can connect with you and learn a little bit more about you know, what you do, you do such a great job of inspiring people. Thank you. You can find me at whole food for seven. That's W H O L E food for seven, the number seven, uh, com or whole food for seven on Instagram, Facebook. Like Emily said, I love sharing all things, family, whole 30 paleo, 
I'm a recipe creative and my recipes are all super simple, budget, family friendly, because that's how we eat. Um, So I'd love to have you hang out with me there. Yeah. Autumn, thanks so much for this conversation. I know a lot of people are going to get a lot from it and decide if Whole30 is the right fit for them or not in January, or just take some of your food freedom tips and apply that towards their daily life. Thank you so much for sharing your heart with us. Thank you. Thank you so much for this conversation, Autumn. I know our listeners are definitely going to resonate with the conversation we had today. So thank you for being so vulnerable and sharing your heart with us today. Before I get into my three biggest takeaways with Autumn, and y'all, it was hard to do just three, but I want to leave you with three so you're able to start taking action today. I just found it so funny that Autumn and I both, when we were first introduced to Whole30, it was through our husbands, and we were both like, uh, no, this is too hard. This is too restrictive. No way. Why would I ever give up all the things I love? And how when we both eventually did it and did it the right way, it was such a life-changing experience. So just keep that in mind. Sometimes when you hear something and you're like, eh, I don't know about that, Maybe it's the universe or God's way of challenge you, challenging you to step outside your box and trying something new. So, okay, let's get into my three biggest takeaways. Number one, and I want you to hear this one very clearly, okay? If you've done a Whole30 before or a couple Whole30s, great. I hope you have learned a lot about yourself and your relationship with food and you're slowly starting to change those habits and mindset. However, you need to get to a point where you don't need to do a Whole30 anymore. It's not a badge of honor, like Autumn mentioned. She and I haven't done a Whole30 in a long time. I've done many resets as of Autumn. Autumn mentioned she has as well. But I don't feel like I need a full Whole30 to understand the benefits. And, you know, sometimes there's different seasons of life where I may decide to do a whole 30 days of a Whole30. And that's great. But you don't want to get to a point where you're just abusing the Whole30, using it as another diet, something you can always go back to, to lose weight or do feel healthier, do this, do that. No, you need to get to a point where you don't have to do a Whole30 anymore. Okay, hear that again, ingrain that (laughs) into your brain, memorize that. If you found like you're listening to this and you're like, oh, I've done like 20 Whole30s. No, friend, that's not a badge of honor. You need to reevaluate why you're doing a Whole30 moving forward. Number two. So food freedom. It's such a big concept. What does food freedom mean? Well, I love how Autumn breaks it down. And it's all about choices. You make choices and there's consequences around it. But like she mentioned, it's calm and no tension now. So food freedom is personal to everyone. But I loved um, Autumn's analogy of being back in the driver's seat, you know, taking driver's ed, learning a little bit here, learning a little bit there. It's going to, food freedom is going to be an ongoing journey. As she mentioned, it gets easier as you go along. You get more comfortable. You feel like you're killing it. But there's still going to be days here and there where you're going to eat the whole pan of brownies and your kids are going to call you out on it. But guess what? It's okay. Like she said, she said it's more calm and no tension around her choices and the consequences that she knows will happen or not happen to her body or mind. Okay? 
just going back to her sugar addiction, it's a real addiction. Like she mentioned, she's a recovering sugar addict. And I so relate to that. And it could be a habit that is triggered again by a certain emotion that's going on. And like she mentioned, you know, cravings are (laughs) intentional depending on the type of foods that you're eating as well. And sometimes that's not really your fault. So keep in mind, food freedom is a personal journey. It's an ongoing journey, but it does get easier the more you practice and giving yourself a little grace. If you eat the whole pan of brownies, that's okay. (laughs) But give yourself a little grace and also just live your best life. You know, food is very emotional, but food shouldn't have so much control over your life. Food freedom lets you be back in the driver's seat and have that control again. And number three, I loved how we talked at the end about her paleo experiment with her five boys and her her husband, her whole family. Because with my Whole30 clients, I get this a lot. They are doing the Whole30 by themselves. They are trying to eat healthy, but they are still going through the McDonald's drive-thru for their kids because it's easier. They're still making this or doing that for their kids' meals because they don't want to eat what mom has made for dinner, so they're making 20 different sides for dinner. Going to have some tough love here, but like Autumn said, kids are way more flexible than you think. So open them up to new experiences. They aren't going to starve. I promise they'll eat eventually. (laughs) Okay, it might be harder if you have teenagers in all honesty. But take a look at what your kids are eating. You know, when I brought up the um, Jell-O experiment um, that happened with my son Tyler, you know, look at the foods that your kids are eating. What is it doing to their minds and their bodies? You know, are they always hyper? Are they always lethargic? Are they coming down from sugar all the time? Okay, just simple little switches. I mean, like my kids, Tyler loves fruit snacks. Okay, we still allow fruit snacks. He eats fruit snacks, but we get them without dye, for example, because we know those dye adversely affects him. Okay, so when it comes to your kids, if you're doing a Whole30, you're just trying to alter the way you eat to be a little bit more healthier in your household, include your kids. Monkey see, monkey do. They will catch on. They'll be more flexible than what you could ever think. And remember, you're the parent. You're in control. Okay? (laughs) If you're doing a January Whole30, I hope you keep that in mind. It will just make your life a little bit easier. So, gang, like I mentioned, click the link in the show notes so you can connect with Autumn Michaelis amazing recipe developer gang. You are going to fall in love with all the recipes she has on her website. She makes them super affordable too because she's got five boys y'all. She's not playing around. (laughs) Okay and make sure you click the link in my show notes to sign up for my newsletter. I'll be pulling out a notice within the next week of what my Whole30 coaching services will look like in the new year. I've taken a step back looking at the way I've been doing my Whole30 coaching and taking it with an approach of self-care moving forward and going to be offering services even rooted deeper into self-care and food freedom when it comes to Whole30. And I'd love to be on that journey with you. If you love today's episode, I would love it if you would leave a rating and review in iTunes. It makes it a lot easier for everyone to find the show. And also give me a follow on Instagram at emilynichols22. I'll be sharing a lot more Whole30 content throughout the month. And of course, self-care content. I personally feel 
In my soul, the way you eat is a form of self-care. Whole30 taught me that. Whole30 also taught me food freedom and that it's okay to have cookies and margaritas too. (laughs) Okay? Just not like a full pitcher of margaritas and not the whole package of cookies. Okay? Okay. We'll talk about this a lot more throughout the month. I so appreciate you being here and sharing the show. And I'm just sending you all so much love as we're heading into the end of 2020. Let's go into 2021 ready to kick some butt. Sending you lots of love and remember self-care isn't selfish.